perception, perception is, is reality. Reality. Welcome to this 124th episode of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. It's great to be with you. Thanks for giving me a little bit of your time. Before we get started, I'd like to ask that you share the show with everyone you know. Let them know they can find us on all major podcast hosting sites by searching Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey or simply by Googling Bilbrey Podcast. That's B-I-L-B-R-E-Y Podcast will pop right up. Also, check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Bilbrey318 or Christopher H. Bilbrey on Facebook. There, I release a live video episode seven days a week. And you will not want to miss that. All right, folks, this is, again, as I said, episode 124. I actually took last week off and didn't release an episode because I was pushing the most recent episode before this one, 123. It was actually the third interview that I had set down and conducted with Donald Rainwater. He's the libertarian candidate running for governor of the state of Indiana. And I would highly, highly, highly suggest if you vote in the state of Indiana that you listen to that interview. I would also ask that you listen to the other two interviews that I conducted with him, which are episodes 101 and 109. I believe that those three interviews together provide one of the most comprehensive looks at this man as a candidate. They take a look at what his platform is, and we really cover what he wants to do as the next governor of the state of Indiana. I believe it's something that every voting Hoosier needs to listen to, especially, especially if you're considering voting for one of the other two candidates in that race. All right, let's get down to this episode. So, I've I've looked at how to approach this a couple different ways, and I feel like what I want to talk about, it's really big. There's a lot to cover. There's a lot of research. There are different academic things that I can talk about. There are whole philosophies, and a lot of technical terms that I could get into. Or, I could just talk to you from my heart, from the bottom of my soul, being very sincere, and hopefully that's something that you can connect with and be able to understand what I'm talking about, where I'm coming from, and hopefully we can start to 
look at things differently and hopefully make things better. I don't know. Maybe that's naive. So if you have been listening to this podcast long, you are aware that I mostly talk about local politics and state politics. I mostly talk about how citizens can get involved on the local level and what they need to do and how they can go about making things better. I use examples from communities that I'm involved in and I hope to try and highlight things that are wrong and how I go about trying to change them. And that way, if you're listening to this, obviously from one of the communities that I'm involved in, you'll know what's happening and you can know how to pick up the fight as well. If you listen from another community inside Indiana, well, you'll know what to do in your community. If you listen from a community in another state, even though the laws might be different, at least you can get a good understanding and a good foundation for how you might start to go about bettering government through your citizen involvement there. Okay, along with that, however, to try and build the platform, to try and build the show, to bring more listeners in... I have talked about wanting to go a little bit more national as well. Kind of do a mix, all right? I feel like there's room for everything here. And I have admitted before, and it took me some time to admit this, that when I really started trying to create a platform and I really started building Perception is Reality back in 2015, 2016... Even though I have been politically active for 25 plus years, I was always politically active in this sense. Locally and at the state level, I was involved as one citizen. I didn't really talk to other people about it. I didn't try to get people involved. I just did my thing. And my interest was national politics. I would listen to talk radio, I would listen to conservative guys, I would listen to liberal guys, I would read, I would look at newspapers, I would look at information online, and I would listen to all of the news outlets, the conservative outlets and the liberal outlets. And I knew everything that was going on. I knew everything that was going on nationally in politics during that time as well as the fact that I'm a pretty big history buff, so I was able to go pretty far back in American history and give you information as well. I knew why we were where we were at the time. Well, as I started getting more involved locally and at the state level in activism and building this platform and building a podcast, I started to withdraw from national politics and I started focusing on the local issues. I started immersing myself in what goes on in city councils, what goes on in county councils, what the commissioners do, and public access laws, and all of that. So what that caused me to do was really lose touch with the intricacies of national politics. Okay, I could still sit down and have a conversation with most other political junkies and keep right up. I knew the big picture stuff, and I could absolutely sit down and talk with someone who was either new 
<coughs> or just starting out or, or maybe didn't have a clue what was going on and I was leaps and bounds above them. But I really lost touch with a lot of what was going on on the national scene. Now, this year, in the last six or eight months, I've started to try to wade back into the national political pool. And holy crap, do things look and feel different. I mean, okay, so let's establish a little bit of a timeline here. I started bowing out of national politics in 2014-2015. Now, I will admit that things on the political front in the national politics were really bizarre in 2014 and 2015. They definitely were in 2012. They definitely were in 2010 and 2008. But we're just in the first 8, 10, 12 years into what I now consider American politics part B. We'll get to that in a second. So we're just kind of treading water and seeing where we were. So even though things were weird, you know, we still remembered how they were before what I call the Great Divide. So I'll just cover that now. I feel like American politics, from the time that people started coming to America, on up and through the Declaration of Independence, the Revolutionary War, and all of the founding of America, up through present day, if you look at that as one enclosed line from the start, point A, to where we are now, point B... You can divide that line. There's a period of before and after, and I call that the Great Divide. And I believe that that Great Divide occurred between the year 1999 and the year 2000, meaning anything that happened in 1999 or before is encapsulated in one American political space sphere, and anything that occurred in 2000 up through present day is its own political sphere. So if you're looking at everything from the beginning of America through present day, you've got the beginning of America up through 1999, and it stops, and then from 2000 on through till today, then that's another section. And there's probably a lot that can be said as to why that happened, and a lot of people point to the Bush-Gore situation, but that's kind of what we're going to get into today from, from what I'm seeing and why I think that's happening. I think, I think that there are a couple different things that has caused this. There is a podcaster and radio show host called Ben Shapiro, and he says something that's kind of interesting. I, I'm not a big Ben Shapiro fan, but there's a lot of people that are saying, oh, American politics is dead, and Donald Trump was the murderer. Well, Ben Shapiro says, no, nah, that's not true. American politics was dead before Trump arrived on the scene. Trump is just the person who come upon the dead body, 
and he, he found it dead. Now, I'll take it a step further and say, yeah, he did, and sometimes he kicks that dead body. He maybe wants to make sure that it's dead, so he twists the knife in the back of the dead body, but he isn't who killed it. He is here now afterwards in the rubble of what used to be the body politic, okay? So... He falls definitely in this new section, you know, American Politics A and American Politics B. We are currently in American Politics B. Now, Trump didn't cause that. I don't really think that he's helping it any, but he definitely didn't cause it. You know, he didn't wander upon the body and start doing CPR. He wandered upon the body and started kicking it. And rolling it downhill, making sure that it's dead. Okay, it's the best, greatest dead body ever. I can't do it, Trump. That was as close as it gets. Um, so, I agree with what Ben is saying there, but instead of worrying about all that nonsense, I look at it as an investigator. Okay, my my law enforcement brain starts kicking in, and my investigative nature starts kicking in. And I'm like, oh, well, if, if American politics is dead, if American politics part A is dead, who killed it? How did it die? When did it die? Why did it die? You know, everything that an investigator asks, who, what, when, where, why, and how. Okay? And... To look at that, I think we have to look at a couple <clears throat> different things. All right? I don't think it was just one candidate. I don't think it was one political party. I think it was a culmination of a couple different things. Now, in a live video that I released on Facebook, <coughs> I got into a little bit of a back and forth on this first topic. I believe that a big part of the problem that we have today is people do not discuss politics that the way they should in public. Well, first of all, let me be clear. Because we're in this new age of politics in America, you can't discuss politics in public. You can't discuss your ideas without being screamed at, without possibly being called a racist, whether you are or aren't, without being called a bigot in some way, without saying that you are too left or you're too right. <clears throat> and I, that's part of the problem. We'll get to that in a moment. But I think that the reason that happened is because back for the last 30, 40, 50, 60 years, back in the first American politics, American politics part A, sometime in the 1900s, the 19-teens, 1920s, parents started telling children and people everywhere started saying, you don't talk about politics and you don't talk about religion in public. And 
that started being repeated over and over that that's polite. That's that's the polite thing to do. Not talk about politics and not talk about religion. You don't do that in a polite society. And I disagree with that because if you look back to the great societies of the world, to Greece, to um, you know just the old ancient civilizations, the biggest, greatest thinkers in the world sat around drinking wine and talking about philosophy, talking about politics, talking about religion, and pondering, you know, the, the great questions of the world. And things were free, and civil discourse was allowed. Ideas were able to flourish, and that's how, you know, we have a lot of the information that we have today based off of things that they discussed back then. Had they also felt like you couldn't discuss politics or religion, who knows where we would be right now. So I feel like that is a great disservice. And I understand that people shy away. It's because you've been programmed to think that way. We need to stop thinking that way. We need to say, hey, wait a minute. It's okay to discuss politics and religion with others, with strangers. Now, it's just like the First Amendment. Listen, you have a right to speak. You do not have a right to be heard. So if someone doesn't want to hear you and they tell you to shut up, well, they can't shut you up, but that doesn't mean they have to listen to you. And I'm not saying to just go around thumping everybody in the head with a Bible and saying, look, you're going to talk about Ronald Reagan, or you're going to talk about why Donald Trump is the best, or why Joe Biden is the worst, or vice versa, or whatever. If somebody's not interested in talking, okay, then don't talk to him about it. But for the most part, we should be able to discuss things in a polite society, and there should be the marketplace of ideas, okay? We don't have that because we've been programmed to not have it. I think that's part of the problem. I think that we need to start teaching the younger generations what's happening right now is not good, okay? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe it's never been polite, but what's happening right now is not working, so why don't we change something up? Why don't we start telling them, hey, guess what? Yeah, it might be polite to start talking about this. Maybe we need to to save the country. Maybe we need to start learning how to communicate with one another without screaming and without needing to go find a room that we can cry in because someone said a word or said something that we didn't like, okay? You do not have a right to not be offended, all right? That's another issue. But I feel like if we would start opening up and discussing politics and religion, we'd probably be better off. Now, another issue that I blame for why things are the way they are, is the issue of what's currently going on with social media, okay? Back from the beginning of time up and through basically the advent of the 24-hour news cycle, 
Before that, you had three stations that would give you your evening and nightly news, and that was it, okay? And they gave it to you as quote-unquote fair and balanced as they could. There wasn't a lot of commentary. There wasn't a lot of pushing this idea or that idea. Now, I can see people's arguments for... Well, maybe they were just telling you what they were being fed. And yeah, there's probably some truth to that. But it wasn't anything like it is now. Okay, it wasn't crammed down your throat 24 hours a day. That's all it was. You know, it's said that culture and entertainment and the like is just downstream from politics. Well, I group into that media Media, media, what is, media sounds like another word, social media. Okay, so how many people recall when the internet became a thing, the first thing you would do would be jump online, dial up and get online, and create a handle that was unique to you, but it wasn't your name because you were told never to give anybody online your name. So you never jumped on as Christopher Bilbrey, you would jump on as The Rock 1980 or The Beatles Fan 1955 or Sir Robert Peel, and you would communicate that way. Well, it didn't take long for people to learn under that system you had some anonymity. So while in real life you might not tell Susie what you thought about her, or you might not tell Bill what you thought of him. In the internet world, you might not know who Susie or Bill is, but if Flower Chick or the Tin Man says something you don't like, you, under your handle, can fire back and say something that you might not in polite society. So we started being, as a culture, as citizens, as Americans, we started learning, started being brainwashed into the idea that it's okay to say whatever you want. It doesn't matter if it's true. It doesn't matter if it's factual. It doesn't matter if it's nonsense or whatnot. As long as you say it, and as long as it provides you some clicks, some likes, as long as there are people who like it, and as long as you're able to scream it the loudest and hurt the person the, the, the worst, it's good to be king of the mean comment. Well, as the anonymity started finding its way out of the internet... And as all of these sites started demanding that you used your name, you could no longer have a, a fake f profile on Facebook because you have to send them your driver's license so you can't get on as Christopher Bilbury and make your profile Perception is Reality because Perception is Reality is not a name. You have to go under Christopher Bilbury because you send them your driver's license. So it made it harder than hell to be anonymous. However, by the time I'm commenting under Christopher Bilbury, 
I've already been brainwashed that it's okay to say whatever the hell I want whenever I want to say it to whoever I want. And because I've been doing that for so long, I feel like you have to listen. And if I think something you're saying is stupid, I'll tell you. And if you don't like it, that's too bad. I'm going to say it anyways, and you have to listen. Because I get to say it. All right? That's problem number two. And then the last part is an issue with the actual people who are the elected officials who are candidates and who are the the quote-unquote powers that be. See, in American politics, part A, okay, there was a president once, and that president's name was Andrew Jackson. And there was an election in 1828, and when Andrew Jackson won that election, there was a New York senator, William L. Macy, who coined a phrase, and it's a phrase that stuck around for a little bit, to the victor belong the spoils, to the victor go the spoils, okay? And basically what he meant by that is, whoever wins, they are able to give the jobs, the benefits, the perks to their supporters, their friends, their family, for being supportive of the campaign. And if you win re-election, you can continue doing that. Or if you lose, your opponent who beats you, well, now they're the victor, and they get the spoils. Now they are able to put people in these positions that were good to them or that supported them. And that's how it kind of played for a while. But it goes beyond just giving people jobs and and money and things like that. It's this idea that I'm in power and anything that I say goes. Well, that really is not a good way of looking at things because basically what you're doing, instead of actually getting down to the business at hand, You're just always one-upping the person who you beat. So the Democrats are in charge, and the Republicans hate everything they're doing, but when the Republicans get in charge, they're now doing it, and the Democrats hate everything. Nobody's ever really doing anything other than undoing what the opponent before them did. So that kind of faded away in the old Part A American politics. However, in American politics Part B... From 2000 forward, the political officials, the powers that be, really started adopting this thought process again. So we are now in a situation where everyone that is an elected official is a massive hypocrite. So all of the Republicans say one thing, and the Democrats speak out against that. And if the Republicans are in charge, the Democrats talk about how bad it is what they're saying and what they're doing. And the Democrats would never do it this way, blah, blah, blah. Well, then at the next election, if 
God forbid the Democrats win. Now the Democrats get to do and say what they want. And they might be doing and saying the same thing that the Republicans were just doing four years before. But now that they're doing it, it's okay. And now that the Republicans are no longer doing it, well, now they've got a problem with it. Let's just look at this current ongoing Senate confirmation to understand that. Okay? Used to, in the old system, you would have an election, and it would be ferocious, and everybody would battle it out. The election would happen, you would have a winner, and then everybody would just kind of get back to work. They would get down to doing what was good and what was right for the nation. They would get back to doing what was right for each other, even though, hey, I'm a Republican, and I won, and you're a Democrat, and you didn't vote for me, but we still looked at each other as Americans. <clears throat> However, under this, to the victor goes the spoils, and this new form of American politics that we're in, it's no longer whatever is good for the goose is good for the gander. It's whatever is good for me and my people right now is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do it as big and hard and loud and fast as I can. And you, the losers, aren't going to like it. And you can bitch and cry and moan, but I'm going to do what I want because I have the power. And then when the election happens and you, the losers, beat me, well now, if you're doing what I was just doing, you're okay with it. You weren't okay with it when I was doing it, but now that you're doing it, you're okay with it. And now it's my turn to say what you're doing is wrong and bad. So in 2016, Democrat President Barack Obama was in office, a Republican Senate, a Supreme Court nomin uh, Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia died. Obama had several months until he was out of office. He wanted to appoint a new judge. The Republicans said, you can't. Obama said, we can. And it went back and forth. He put somebody up. They didn't take a vote. It, he ended up withdrawing, and, and it didn't happen. Now, Republicans have the White House, and they have the Senate. And a Supreme Court Justice, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, dies. And I knew right then we were going to see something that was going to be interesting. Because I immediately went back to February 13th, 2016, when Antonin Scalia died. I immediately went back there in my mind, and I thought, okay, here it goes. Trump is going to try to nominate somebody. The Republicans are going to say he can do it. And the Democrats are going to say, uh-uh-uh. Which basically meant at that point, the Republicans and the Democrats were saying the exact same things, just in opposite positions. What the Republicans are saying now, they fought against in 2016, and what the Democrats were trying to do in 2016, they're now fighting against. And that's when I realized, and it's not just the Supreme Court deal, it's literally everything in politics. 
to the victor goes the spoils. And if you win, you're going to do it all hard, fast, and whatever you can. And I have to try to beat you. And if I beat you, well, then it's my turn to do it. And that is a really, really, really bad way to look at things. Because no longer are people working for the country. And look, I'm talking about national politics, but this same thing happens at the state level and it happens at the local level. Now, you throw that into a cauldron with the fact that nobody knows how to talk about politics anymore because nobody's done it. It's always been hush, hush, shh, shh, bad, taboo. It's like sex. Don't talk about it. And you throw that into the cauldron with the third ingredient, which is you can't talk about politics like normal people in public, but by God, you can get on the internet and say any damn thing you want to say. So now people who have a lot to say, but they're not intelligent enough to have a lot of good information, they've got a lot of crap, now they feel confident enough to spew that crap out. Who cares if it's right? Who cares if it's harmful to a cause, even if it's your own cause? You're just too stupid to realize. And we've got the political people, the powers that be, that egg this on and don't care as long as they're able to stay in power. And so that's why you've got friends deleting friends on Facebook over politics. You've got families not showing up to Christmas because people are losing their damn minds. Everybody has broke off into their own little tribes. It's, it's tribalism. Everybody's over in their little corner with their little people. Everyone's telling each other, Everything that builds up their thoughts and their ideas, it's confirmation bias at its worst. Everyone only listens to their news organization that regurgitates what they want to know. They don't spend time listening to the other side because the other side wants to destroy the country. They want to destroy the state. They want to destroy the city or the county. The other side is a no good, rotten, lying, cheating bastards. And they're going to destroy the country. And it's my job as John Q. Citizen to not have civil discourse at a council meeting or in a public location. But John Q. Citizen here will get on Twitter or Facebook and I will spout shit, and it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong, as long as I'm typing in all capital letters, you'll be able to see it from wherever you're hiding. And that's just so wrong. I, and this recently come up because there's a friend that I've been talking to and we are on opposite sides of 
the political spectrum. I actually have a couple friends like this, okay? And it's interesting because I have some friends that I disagree with. And for the most part, I'm able to conversate with them and we're able to agree or disagree or sometimes agree to disagree and it's okay. But there are times it's still tense. However, I've got one one particular friend that I'm able to talk with and we've changed each other's minds on things. However, there are just issues that we don't agree on, but we're able to look at all sides. We're able to sit down, talk about it. I'm able to argue my point. I'm able to argue that person's point. And at the end of the day, if no one's mind has changed, we're able to walk away friends laughing and joking, and, and it's that's it. So that's when I really started thinking about this. What has happened that that kind of relationship can't happen on a larger scale? And that's when I, I realized that it's because of a combination of these three, and probably more things, but these three big issues that has caused this to happen. And it's interesting, <laughs> tonight, I was doing a video on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Bilberry318, Christopher H. Bilberry on Facebook. I was doing a live at 835 live Facebook video. Check that out. And we were kind of going over in detail a little bit about this. And one of my friends, Sarah Beach, said something to the effect of, well, the Republicans today are not the same party that they were in the 1990s. And I, I could have cried. That was beautifully said. She, she nailed my point. She beat me to the punch because what I was getting ready to say right before she typed that was, the two political parties, the Democrats and the Republicans, that are mostly in charge and mostly the ones duking it out and causing all the problems, and it's their supporters, those two parties, the Republicans and the Democrats, in October of 2020, are not the two political parties from 1993. The Democrats today and the Republicans today are nothing like their... 1990s counterparts. And that's how I looked at it. I don't blame it on just the Democrats because I'm a conservative. I don't blame it on just the Republicans if I'm hanging out with my Democrat friends. I blame it on both parties. I support Donald Trump because he's the president. I also am mad at, as hell at him for things that he has to do and I'm tired of making excuses for him. And I know that like somewhere a liberal's going to get their wings because I said that and that's what liberals say. People on the right are just tired of making excuses for him. But look, I got to give those liberals credit because that's right. I support him. I want him to do well. But I'm over it, man. 
I'm just, I'm over it. But more than being over Donald Trump, I am over the fact that I can't build a bridge between myself and my beliefs and those on the opposite side. Look, someone's got to stand up and say, I'll swallow some shit, I'll be the bigger person. I'll do that. I want to start fixing this. I want people to be able to speak. We have a First Amendment right. I will fight to the death. Anyone who says we cannot speak, we certainly can. If you were born an American, you have the First Amendment right to freedom of speech, and it protects a lot of other issues, but that's my biggie. Okay? I will fight for your right to say whatever you want, but you got that comes with the 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 thought that just because you say it doesn't mean anybody has to give a damn. And just because you say it online doesn't make it true. It just means you're saying it. So that's that's one thing. The other aspect is we have to get rid of these people who think that it's okay to just simply outdo their opponent. Why is it wrong to want elected officials to be able to work together? At the confirmation hearing that started today, Monday, October 12th, when this is being recorded... Senator Lindsey Graham said something that really spoke to me. He was talking about how hostile everything has become. And he said, when Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was a lefty leftist liberal, a pillar of the liber- of the liberal mindset, a beacon of progressiveness, okay? She was all of those things in 1993 when she was confirmed. So you would think, well, only the Democrats would have confirmed her and the Republicans would have been mad. Oh no, you would be wrong. She was confirmed 96 to 3, which means all the Democrats voted for her, but damn near all the Republicans did as well. Now, not to just leave her there and be outdone, one of her good friends on the Supreme Court, Antonin Scalia, a lion of the right, every bit as right as Ruth was left, was someone who was seen as a originalist, a constitutionalist, a conservative in every sense of the word. Well, when he was confirmed he was confirmed 97 to to 2 or whatever so of course all the republicans voted for him and damn near every one of the democrats because that's the way it used to be in this country you do what you have to do you get your point out and then you get down to work and people could 
could converse and talk, and it was normal. Now, as Lindsey Graham said, we just don't live in that period anymore. It's long gone, he said. Long gone. Well, why is it long gone? It shouldn't be long gone. I mean, I I know that we had the Great Divide, but what can we do to pull it back? What can we do to bridge the divide? All right, friends, I need to take a real quick break. When we come back, we'll continue talking where we left off. You're listening to episode 124 of Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. We'll be right back. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this podcast. Have a safe and happy Halloween from Perception is Reality. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, or we might egg your house. All right, folks, we're back. Episode 124, this is Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. So before we went to break, I I asked, how do we bridge this divide? Is there a way to maybe bring back some semblance of American politics part A? I mean, look, we didn't get here overnight. It took 20 years to get here. It's at least going to take 40 or 60 to get back. I always think it takes more work to reverse a bad course than it does to get there in the first place. And I know that sucks because also in the world we live in today, everybody wants an immediate fix. And, and I just don't know that there is an immediate fix. Hell, wait till I tell you this. This is going to be a very anticlimactic podcast episode because I don't have an answer. It's not like I was asking these questions and leading you up to some major political theory that I have. I don't have a fix for this. I don't know what the fix is. I'm afraid there is no fix. But I guess this is where I ask you. Here's what I've been talking about. Now you think about it. You can get in contact with me and let me know what you think. You can email me at khbilbrey at gmail.com. You can hit me up and connect with me on Facebook. You can private message me on Facebook. Or you can call or text the show at 765-546-9796. Be sure and let me know what you think. I would love to visit it in another podcast episode. Hell, if you're interested in interviewing, we can do that. Because I'm going to be covering this over another series of of podcast episodes because I'm nowhere close to being done with this. I don't know what the answer is. I don't have an answer. I don't know that there is an answer. Maybe you don't have an answer. Maybe we just are simply screwed. I'll tell you, I got to thinking about this and the basis of this come to me from conversations that I've been having with a friend that's went very smoothly compared to other conversations that I have with other friends that don't necessarily go very smoothly and conversations that I have with strangers that go terribly, along with everything else that we're all just seeing in the world, like what's going on in the election, like what's going on in the Senate confirmation hearings, and literally everything else that we're seeing. So it's something that I'm wanting to try to 
war game a little bit and for us to be able to communicate and talk about and maybe that might be the act of bridging the divide i i don't know i'm i'm lost here this is not something that i have an answer to i i i just pose the questions Hopefully it gives you something to think about, and hopefully in return you can contact me and give me something to think about. But here's what I know. American politics part B, it sucks. The idea that to the victor goes the spoils, that sucks. The whole idea of the lack of etiquette on social media, well, that sucks too. And not being able to talk about politics or religion in open society and not being able to have civil discourse, well, that sucks as well. We just have to fix it, folks. All right, you're listening to episode 124 of Perception is Reality. I'm Christopher H. Bilbrey. We'll be right back. Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. All right, folks, this is where the ball is now in your court. What can we do to fix it? What are your ideas? Let me know. Hopefully we can have a conversation. Be sure to share this episode and the podcast as a whole. We can be found by searching Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey or by simply searching Bilbrey Podcast. Also check us out on Facebook and check out the merchandise. Until next time, make sure to get educated, stay active, stay involved, stay safe. God bless. I'll look forward to talking to you again real soon. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com. Or get off your butt and call the show at 765-546-9796. Till next time, remember, perception Perception is is reality. reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.